Welcome to the Ty and Rye, the Finance Guys podcast, covering weekly investment news, important financial topics, and expert interviews. We want to help you become more knowledgeable about the financial world around you. This is not an offer to sell you anything, and remember, past performance doesn't indicate future results. Now your hosts, Ty Hansen and Ryan Robertson. Hello and welcome. New episode of Ty and Ryan, the Finance Guys, the podcast. You are only hearing me today. Uh, Ty is out of town with his family, and uh, he actually did one last week on his own. Now it's my turn to do one on my own, so hopefully I'll be a little bit more exciting than Ty is, uh, but I doubt it. Ty's very exciting. Um, there is an, uh, a topic today that I want to uh, go uh, over, and it's a topic that I've had a lot of experience in over for the last 15 years I've been doing this, we're going to talk about how to use self-directed IRAs for uh, real estate investing, and particularly a strategy called lending within that IRA. Some people call it trustee lending, maybe hard money lending. There's different names you can use. Um, what I want to talk about is getting into the actual idea. Um, and the biggest thing, and this is the thing that I would tell anybody that I was uh, working with, when it comes to lending, there's a lot you need to look out for. I know it sounds like maybe it's it's more secure. Um, maybe there's uh, uh, not as risky, you know, as if you're just uh, rehabbing a house or something like that. But it has its challenges, and if it's not done right, you are definitely going to uh, have a lot of problems that you don't want to um, deal with. So um, this is for anybody that's going to have an IRA. If you got a retirement account and you're self-directing that, and then actually if it's not on an IRA, you can still do this. Uh, it still applies for that. But a lot of people who do this use their retirement accounts to lend money. And it's a very good, effective way to invest through your self-directed account um, if you do it the right way. So a lot of the scenarios in which somebody may come in and do a, uh, uh, a loan would be, uh, say a builder is looking to borrow money to either maybe build a spec home uh, they could be borrowing money to do a rehab. Um, a lot of companies out there do loans and uh, that are sort of in between bank loans and real, uh, you know, very high interest, you know, 60-day loans. They may do these uh, 12 to 18-month loans, interest rates maybe, you know, 12% or something like that. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to get to a longer-term stable strategy to where they can sell the property off, they can have long-term ownership, uh, and potentially get a long-term loan, 10, 15-year bank loan at much better interest. So a lot of times these may be called bridge loans. You probably have heard that name. Uh, they're bridging the gap between where they're at and where they want to be. So uh, the, the lending process, you as a lender, you're actually lending this money to somebody, a borrower, and they're going to be using that money to accomplish whatever project that they want to accomplish. So it sounds very simple on the surface, for sure. You're just lending them and they pay you back. You know, you have a contract in place and they pay you monthly interest or payments interest. And then at some point they're going to pay the whole loan off. And the, the things that are important to think about when it comes to a loan, when you're the lender and you're lending to somebody, and it's a real estate deal. And we'll just take an example of an apartment building. Say someone is going to buy an apartment building 
and they want to rehab the apartment building to uh, either sell or they're going to hold it long term and they want to pay the, your loan off and then get a bank loan probably for the long term. Okay, There's some sort of exit strategy like that. So if you are a lender in this situation and you are going to be putting your money up like the bank would, there are a few steps that are really, really important in this. And I want to get too mired into the details of this. Um, but it is important that as you understand this and understand the way in which a loan can work, right? it'll help you avoid a lot of the mistakes and uh, uh, the wrong steps that I've seen people take in the past. So the, the biggest and most important point, point of it is due diligence. Before you even do the loan, right? This is the same for any investment you're going to do. You want to know what you're getting into before you get into it. So if you're looking at an apartment complex uh, that someone is going to be rehabbing with, you want to know what real value that apartment complex is. Because for you as a lender, you do not want to loan more than a certain percentage of the as-is value. Right? Let's say the, the apartment complex is a million dollars. That's its as-is value today. And they want to borrow a million dollars. So this is a what's called a loan-to-value. We hear it all the time in, in regular mortgages and regular lending. The loan-to-value is that ratio between the loan that you're making, the amount, and the value of the property. So you want that loan amount to be a lot lower than the value of the property. And if the property is right now appraised at a million dollars, you would probably not want to lend more than about $600,000, $650,000. That 65% loan-to-value range is a pretty good number to go with. So and you can imagine that gives you the ability that if things go wrong, right, the property value is there still to back you up. So this due diligence obviously goes into a lot more than just establishing value. You also want to know, okay, well, what's the value of this um, apartment complex well, if they're going to rehab it, say they're using your money to rehab the property. Um, what's the value afterwards? Who's going to be managing the property when it's done? What it, What is their exit strategy? If they are getting a long-term loan, you can ask for, say, some sort of documentation that says, yeah, if this gets done and the property is in this position, we will lend them X amount of money. They're approved for that if this happens. So you would know their exit strategy is is legitimate and they you can help them get to that point. They'll be able to get a new loan to pay you off. Um, you want to know the borrower. What's their situation? What's their track record? Uh, this term skin in the game. What have they got into it? Do they have money to lose? Because the more money a borrower has to lose, the better that is. So in a lending transaction, in a lending situation, you want to always have the upper hand in that because they're asking you for money. So Make sure we put it into place so that you always will have and can keep that superior position um, in the investment. So that due diligence up front is super, super important. You also want to get a title search done. You want to make sure that the person who says they own it actually owns it. Um, uh, I've seen deals in the past where people were lending money on a property to somebody and that person didn't even own the property because they didn't do the due diligence beforehand. So when it came time to pay the loan off and the loan wasn't paid off, that person didn't even have the property to pay them back. So that's really, really important. Don't take anybody's word for anything 
if you're going to lend. Um, one of the things that's important is it's always looking for third-party verifications. People who have nothing to do with the deal, people who have no part in it, get their expertise, their understanding, make sure that they can give you um, kind of an insight to that deal. Like if you were going to lend money on this apartment complex, it would be important if you knew somebody who owned apartment complexes or you could just call somebody or a company that owned them, give them the deal, have them understand it, and then they can give you feedback on that information. So, and a lot of times you would have maybe a verification on the rehab. How much is it going to cost? What are they actually doing? Right? Get inspection reports. The kinds of things that would give you any and all information that you would want. Because red flags are going to be there. And you've got to find what those red flags are uh, when you're doing these kind of deals. Even if it's a simple rehab of a home that's $100,000 and you're lending them fifty dollars to do it. Same thing. You want to go through that process to make sure that you are evaluating every aspect of it. So that due diligence part, make sure that you're asking yourself the important questions um, about what could go wrong with it. And I think that, that a philosophical, uh, philosophical term in this is asking yourself, well, what if the borrower can't pay me back? Do I want to own the property? Is that a, a good outcome? And if the answer is no, then you probably shouldn't do the deal. If the answer is yes, then it's a great deal. Because now you know one way or the other you're going to end up with something that you want. It's similar to you know the tax lien world. If you're going to buy a tax lien, oftentimes you buy tax liens just for the interest. You know that people are going to be paying that tax lien off. But there's always a chance that the tax lien is not going to get paid off and you're going to own the property. It's really important going into the deal like that, whether you're lending money or buying a tax lien or some position where um, you're supposed to be earning interest, but potentially you could own the property. Ask yourself, do I want to own that property if it comes down to it. So if the answer is no, then think really seriously about not doing it. Um, a couple of really important terms that I think, uh, you know, if you're going to get involved with a loan, there's a couple important terms. And, and again, we're really talking about real estate. We're not talking about personal loans or something else, you know, lending a company money or something like that. But even if it's that, look for ways to collateralize the loan. And collateral obviously just means getting assets to back up what you're lending money for. So in the case of a property, you want to always be in first lien position on the property, right? The primary lien position. So that would also include getting a title report and title search and title insurance. You want to know that you can be first lien. There are no other liens on the property. Nobody else has claim to the property. That's what a title company would do. That's their job. And that way, you can secure yourself. You have a legal right to take back the property if the contract's broken. Right? That would be the process of foreclosure. That's what banks do. Banks go through the legal channels to foreclose on you and take the property from you if you don't fulfill the mortgage note trustee. Okay? So... Um, that first lien position is really important. I come across people all the time that want to do loans that are in second lien position. 
Or they want to do loans in which it's just a promissory note. It's just a contract that says you owe me money. But they're using the money for real estate deals. So my personal feeling is I would never do a loan where I'm second lien position ever. Because the risk on second lien is an absolute risk. You have the risk of losing every penny that you've got in that deal. So to me, the risk is way too high for the reward that you could get. I would never want to lend unless I'm in first lien position. Because in first lien, nobody can supersede you. Nobody can knock you off that. You're at the top of the food chain. You get to get paid first before anybody else does. That's your legal right. So first lien position is really important. And again, making sure there's title insurance in, in place to, to you know, cover it in case some mistakes were made or some legal claim was made. Right, first lien position, title insurance. I talk about the third lien or third party verifications. You know that's really really important. Looking for people that have nothing to do with the deal. I bring that up because I've seen things come across my desk the last uh, probably six to eight months. People calling me, our clients, and asking, "Hey, I've got this guy. He does rehabs. He does everything in house. We lend him the money, and they rehab the house, and then they pay, you know, the interest." Uh, loan and interest back. And usually the interest is 12 to 15%. So pretty good interest rate on an annual basis. And I start asking the question, I'm like, well, okay, but what if that guy can't pay you back? Then what? What are you going to do? They don't have an answer. So one of the things that's really important in this third-party verification process is if everybody that you're dealing with on the deal um, is involved with it, that means they have a self-interest in having that deal go one way, which is in their favor. You need to have people outside of that deal who have no stake in it, they have no claim in it, they don't care what happens to it necessarily, that they can actually then either work on your behalf, like an attorney, or they can actually just give you an opinion about it, that it doesn't matter one way or the other what they're saying. And in fact, they may be more conservative about it just because they don't want to, you know, give you an opinion that's it's wildly inaccurate. They want to give you the best you know, information that they can. And so you can find these types of deals where everybody is involved with it, with the deal, makes money from the deal. But the problem is, is, is that they may find it easy to take advantage of you as a lender in that case. Because as a lender, you have no legal claim to the property unless you exercise it. That just means that you have to go through the legal channels to uh, file that um, uh, notice uh, uh, within 30 days before you file for foreclosure with the county. And every county is different too. So that this is kind of general knowledge about it. But you have to go through that process to do it. So you want to make sure that if you're going to go through the process of actually lending that money, make sure you've got some parties, third parties, that are actually helping you and or uh, can actually give you some advice that has nothing to do with the people that you're lending the money to. Don't lend money to somebody, and then all the the process of getting paid back is coming from those people. Because when things get tough, you're the one that's left out. Um, there is a couple other things too to think about. Uh, you know, if you're doing it or if you're thinking about doing it, you could also get something like a building bond. You could have the borrower put up a building bond. Now, a bond like that would guarantee that the end result of the rehab or development is going to happen. Now, that's a little bit expensive, not terribly expensive, but it's, it's 
a cost, an extra cost. Um, and, and you have to find an insurance company that could do it. However, reason I bring that up is because there have been deals in the past that I have seen in which uh, the borrower put together the materialist to rehab or build. The lender took that to a third party and had them verify it. And then the borrower proceeded to build a completely different building. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why they did that. But point of it is, is, is that what they verified didn't actually end up being true. And so there were a couple other steps that could have been done as well to protect against that. But a bond like that would have completely protected the lender in that case. Because uh, the insurance would pay them back for what wasn't done. Because what they agreed to, the borrower didn't do. Anyway, they didn't have that. And so they, had, they did foreclose and still sold, but they uh, lost a little bit of money on the deal. So those are the kind of things you have to think about when you're going through this process, is how do you insulate yourself the best? What are the channels that you can do so? And that's what we're really talking about with all this. Um, a couple of other points to make on this. Make sure exit strategies are verifiable and logical. Um, you want to know that if they're going to sell the property and that's how they're going to pay you back, make sure that the market is in at least a good position to sell you, uh, to sell it and to pay you back. Make sure that the price point that they want to sell it at is realistic. Make sure that the timetable that they want to sell that property is realistic. And just make sure that there's actually a market to buy whatever it is they're doing. Because, you know, if it's a bigger project, that just means there's less people to buy it. Um, so if you're in a recession with the, the housing market, it may not be the best time to, to try to uh, do that and sell a property. So make sure the exit strategies work. And like I mentioned this with the lending side of it, if the borrower is looking to get a long-term loan to pay off your loan, make sure that there's a double check with the lender. Call that bank. Say, hey, you got a loan in for this person. If they get the property to such a point, you do the loan. Call them. Verify it. Very important. Um, one other thing, too, with this is I mentioned the third parties. There's one third party that would be involved that is probably the most important in this, and that would be working with a servicing company. So a servicing company is, you know, when you're talking about, say, like uh, a loan servicer, right? Their job is to, on your behalf, collect money for the loan. And you can easy, even have them work on your behalf to handle things like default and foreclosure. Because at some point, if you're lending, you may have to deal with foreclosure, you may have to deal with bankruptcy. Borrower files bankruptcy to delay it. You need to have somebody working for you that can do that. There are servicing companies out there. I know a couple uh, I've worked with them for many, many years. Really good. They can help you do those kinds of things um, so that you don't feel like you're left to figure all of that out at some point. So the servicing company can also help with due diligence. They can also help with uh, collecting payments, and they can also help with um, getting things like foreclosure, handling default, and all of that. You kind of get into that. Um, and that goes into the legal advice that would be necessary on it, because the bigger the deal, the more complicated it can be, the things, more things you would want to make sure are put in place. 
So that's really important is looking for a good servicing company. Now, this kind of brings you to the last point that's in this. A lot of people want to do lending on their own, which is great. Uh, make sure you've got all your ducks in a row to do that. That's great. But there's a lot of groups out there that do group lending. And uh, technically, they would be considered uh, like real estate funds do it, where you're just pooling your money with a bunch of other people. And that money is used as one big group to lend out on uh, projects. They also have different kinds of loans in which you can do a bunch of lenders on just one loan, right? They, uh, they do that where it's a syndicated loan, more than one lender. And uh, there's, there's companies out there that do that and you earn you know, interest 10, 12, 13% on those loans. And so this, this group lending idea is actually something that a lot of people end up doing uh, because uh, they don't want to have to do everything on their own, but they still make a decent return. It's a teeny bit more um, stable. Uh, it's not quite as volatile, say, the you know investing in the stock market or something like that. But they don't feel like that they're sacrificing on returns. Now, it may not be as great as what you could do on the stock market in a good year. Um, 10%, 8 10%, 12% might be the best number. Um, but still, that could be a little bit more stable over time. So these options exist out there. And uh, you, know, you can even go and just type in um, syndicated loan companies or servicing loan companies for investment. And you'd find a handful of them. Uh, I should bring this up. Vet those companies too. Make sure those companies have experience. And, and I'd actually say this. Make sure those companies have actually gone through bad loans or they've had losses on their loans. I know it seems a little counterintuitive. What it means is, is that if they've actually gone through that experience and they're still successful and they've still got a good company that they run, that means that they have really learned from that. Uh, there was a company I worked with that went through 2008 when the housing market completely crashed. They made it through that time. They had loans that lost money. They had lenders that lost money. But they made it through and they still exist today because of that time period. So that kind of stuff actually matters. It matters that companies have gone through a down period and then come out the other end. So vet those companies. If they're really new, maybe stay away. If they're really, really new. But if they've got 10, 15 years worth of experience and uh, and, and they can give you a good track record that, again, been verified by a third party, uh, that's where you really want to start. Start vetting them out that way. Because if that's the company that's helping you, you want to know that they've actually got everything uh, in place to help you make that kind of money. So um, we've talked about self-directed IRAs. A lot of people do this type of lending through a self-directed IRA. It's really important. You cannot do an IRA uh, or retirement account in this type of strategy without it being a self-directed account. Uh, you can't go to Fidelity and say, hey, I want to lend my money with this property deal. They're not going to let you. You can't do it. So self-directed IRAs fit into that really really well and they help you have that freedom. We've talked about them in previous podcasts. But that's why I bring this up today is to bring about the idea that and strategies and options that you may have within a self-directed IRA because you're the one that has to find the uh, actual deals, the actual investments in that self-directed account. This is something you could do. Uh, if you have an opportunity, you can do that. And uh, what's important about it is if you go through the right process and you have the right pieces in play, actually a pretty good strategy. Um, I'm sure this is a lot shorter than Ty's. Ty generally can't keep things under 40 minutes. So Ty, I know you may hear this. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not bagging on you, brother. But 
you definitely talk a lot. <laughs> anyway, that's all about lending. Uh, we will be uh, putting out another Market Mini this week, and hopefully Ty and I will both be back next week, uh, and we can both be together, and you can s- listen to both of us at one time. It's a little boring when you do it by yourself. Uh, we do have the uh, uh, website, tyandrightpodcast.com. Go to that. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, um, uh, Facebook. I think I don't know if we have a TikTok yet or not. We may. I don't know. But you can follow us on there. And uh, yeah, hit subscribe. Follow us. I uh, appreciate anybody times you made it this far and listened in. We appreciate everybody who, uh, who listens and follows us. Uh, we like it. So appreciate it. We will uh, talk with everybody next week. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ty and Rye, the Finance Guys podcast today. If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit subscribe. That way you won't miss any future episodes. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Ty and Rye podcast. Also, check us out at myprosperteam.com. Thanks. We will see you next week.